Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirsty Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kim. Hey, Kirsty. I have a revolutionary idea. You do? Does it have <laughs> anything to do with the podcast? Because I'm open to any and all ideas. Well, no. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> this idea is better discussed off the podcast, but we are reading a revolutionary book today. Revolutionary Prudence Wright, Leading the Minute Women in the Fight for Independence, written by Beth Anderson and illustrated by Susan Regan, is the ultimate girl power book. Yes, it totally is. I love how Prudence didn't back down in the face of danger and how the other women all rallied around her. We're excited to talk with Beth, Susan, and their editor, Carolyn Yoder. Let's get started. Beth, when did you first learn of Prudence Cummings Wright and her story? Well, I actually can't remember the first time I saw that name. I think I was probably just browsing around on the internet and found a bunch of Revolutionary War women. And when as soon as I saw Minute Women, it really caught me. And I thought, I have to know yes. more because <laughs> I've never heard of this. So I just dug in after that. And I followed the breadcrumbs, so to speak, and I found this story of the home front and all those regular people like the rest of us who don't get the starring roles in history. And I dove in. Seeing other sides of the revolution besides the military part is really fascinating. You know, even spelling, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I know. But, but the economic impact and all of that and, and seeing the women push past tradition, it was just really easy for me to connect to and really wanted to champion her story. Oh, my goodness. It's such a beautiful book. We're so happy it you is. wrote it. <laughs> it is. It's one of those stories you you read and you think, why didn't I learn this when I was in school? Why don't we know about this person? I was an American history major in college, so books like this are my cup of tea for sure. Carolyn, they sound like they're your cup of tea as well. Can you tell us what it was about this story specifically that made you want to acquire it? Well, first of all, I'd already worked with Beth on two other books. 
And so I'm always delighted when I get a manuscript from a writer that I'm delighted to work with. But this one was a little bit different than our two previous books. This was really an action adventure story with a real live heroine, which I was drawn to. Calkins Creek is all about sort of celebrating unsung heroes. And so I worked in Lexington, Massachusetts for a while, and I was like, minute women. This is a really good hook and just wanted to expose kids to women who aren't covered um, in history and also present a different slant to the Revolutionary War, you know, besides George Washington and the Patriots and the Redcoats, et cetera, et cetera. This was really a human story, a community story. It was a thrilling tale. So I was drawn in, I think, almost immediately. I thought it was so interesting that she had five kids because I have five kids. So I was like, whoa, she had five kids. Her husband was going off to war. She, I was like, okay, I, yeah, this she resonates. Was a resourceful, <laughs> a resourceful uh, woman, which, you know, you might expect during those times, but really, it, it really is about a community um, sort of bi- bounding or binding together for a cause and, It's not in Boston, which is where you see a lot of revolutionary tales take place. So it had a lot of, you know, neat new aspects uh, to the war and to a new, uh, we do a lot of books on women. So this was a new woman um, that we (laughs) wanted to expose kids to. Love it. Boys and girls, not just boys and girls. That's important. Exactly. It is. So now you have this great manuscript you've acquired. What mm-hmm. was your illustrator selection process like? Well, this was very interesting. And um, <laughs> I don't know if Susan knows about it, but they share an agent. I work with her very closely and uh, agents and editors do get along. Stephanie um, really suggested Susan and said she had the right tone. She would, you know, she likes research, which is, which is always key. So I looked at Susan's work and I thought, perfect. This was the perfect person to carry this story, you know, forward to capture the tone of the book to get, you know, the suspense, the thrilling nature of it, and really the mood uh, of the story. So uh, that's how that all came together. Sometimes I, you know, discover artists in different ways, but this was just a perfect combination of text and art. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So, Susan, you mentioned in your illustrator's note that this is your first historical picture book. What made you say yes to working on this project? Well, for so many of the things that Carolyn just said, um, actually, Stephanie is a newer agent for me. So this is the first manuscript she brought to me. And but I felt like she knew what I really wanted right from the start. And I really love doing figurative work. I really love the connections between people. And so when this manuscript came, I feel like all the things that Beth and Carolyn just said resonated right away. She seemed like a heroine, but someone who was normal, but did the extraordinary thing despite you know her everyday life and that she has to, had so many struggles. So I really admired her from the beginning. And I really thought that this is the kind of project I'd really been waiting for. And I do like research. I mean, I feel really comfortable. I'm a pretty experienced illustrator. So anytime I can dig in and just really, I know to research, I know about, you know, 
time periods being so important. So it just was perfect for me. And I was really excited to accept it. And I just want to interject a real kudos to Susan, because we kept going back and forth with this is the right thing. This is the right thing. And Beth is very good about, you know, digging deep and making sure we had the right flag. We had the right utensils that we had the right clothing. And that's a lot of hard work. I don't think people realize how much research and um, knowledge go into the text and the art. Yes, absolutely. Um, Beth, so talking about the text, I can't imagine the amount of research that went into this. There's so much here. Can you give us a look into what that research process was like and then what the writing process was like once your research was complete? There's not a whole lot on Prudence Wright herself. So that is rather limited, but to research the times, to try to understand the situation and the the sort of colonial government that was forming and how it worked. And and so I, you know, I start online and I grab everything and, and gather sources from all that. But then I start going to historical societies and, you know, state archives and things like that, trying to find somebody who's willing to go dig in for me because I couldn't visit. Prudence Wright DAR is in Pepperell, Massachusetts. And so I, I contacted the person for that was in charge of that. And from there, she was able to connect me to the town historian and a few other people that were really familiar with Prudence's story. And they were just champions of, of this woman from history. And so those people gave me some direction and gave me little tidbits and sent me pictures of the artifacts and and all those kinds of things. And so those people really gave me that personal touch of what this woman meant to people today, especially those women in that town. They do reenactments. They are in touch with all the descendants. Uh, So there was a lot of personal anecdotes and there, but it turns out there's three different versions of the story. And they're only slightly different, like which brother was the one that was caught on the bridge. So technically, the story is historical fiction because we can't prove a couple of these details. We don't know exactly what was in those dispatches that were found in the boots of Leonard Whiting. And so I was concerned that without those details, that the value of the story was less. And so I started experimenting with different kinds of structure. I had left that for a year in the drawer. Wow. Because I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I was kind of attached to her story and I felt bad for these women I was letting down who I said, I will tell you this story. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, that was a tough one. And then I picked it up again and I, I really realized as I was getting stuck on all those previous versions and trying to find the answers, uh, you know, the factual historical things, I, I kind of realized that, you know, it didn't really matter which brother it was. What mattered was that her family was divided and it was breaking her heart. And that was a really tough emotional decision for her. So when I got past technicalities and found the emotion in it, then I was able to write the story because I realized that the heart of the story was really about the power of story and how it resonates today with these women in this town because they carry it forward. And then once I found that, you know, it was a matter of revising and revising 
to focus and tighten and you know carry that heart thread through it. But the research and the all the roadblocks were really a tough one on this on this story. Mm. Well, wow. it's it's beautifully done. That sounds like perseverance. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for so, sure. Carolyn, what was the editing process like for this story? You know, it's not easy doing these picture books. They might seem, you know, like they're a piece of cake. But we, uh, you know, because I had worked on two other books with Beth, we kind of hopefully work well together. And I think we are striving for the same outcome. So there will be, um, you know, I do my own like fact checking. I also do my own you know, how does this story lay out? So there was some tightening and some, you know, sharpening of scenes and, you know, also keeping in mind early on before Susan was attached, what could really be shown in the art. So those are all things that are put into consideration. And then, you know, it goes through even more. It goes through a copy editor. It gets sent out to expert reviews. You know, we get a a lot of people involved. I mean, at Calkins Creek, you know, I always like to say we like to combine original research with original writing. So basically the story was there. It just needed some tautness and more of a spotlight on her and and more of the heart, more of the angst, Mm -hmm. you know, as I think young readers really like to be sort of with the main character. They like to be yes. rooting for her, like, go, Prudence, go, you can <laughs> yeah. do it. You can overcome those people. You can get to the bridge, rally those women. <laughs> we wanted that energy to really be in uh, this the story. So, and I think uh, it all holds up, you know, it's a thrilling adventure, but at the same time, it's it really captures her spirit. Definitely. And Susan, the art is just such a huge piece too. Can you share with us your research process? The research process sort of starts with some great information given to me by the writer, of course, and by Carolyn and Beth, you know. So there were key elements that were there. But then, of course, as I, the first place I start is sort of with the emotional aspect. You know, I start with my character and what do I want her to look like? You know, what is her what's her demeanor like, you know, and gesture, but then had to really dig into what would she really be wearing? And, you know, there's no photographs from 1774, you know, so, so it's finding, it's finding things that match to looking up, you know, finding out what the costuming would be like, but I also use reference that's not related. Like for, if I want an attitude in my figure, I can find a photograph of, like I used a photograph of women astronauts, but converted them to, uh, you know, the women of Pepperell, you know, so I can find- very cool. Yeah, because I can't hire models for everything. I love it. (laughs) Like this, you really have to have some reference, you know, it's not so stylized, it's based a little bit more on reality. So I need to be able to So I do photograph myself sometimes. I'll take a photograph of myself showing the emotion. So that's fun. um, (laughs) You get to be an actress. They're horrible pictures. (laughs) We can always help out if you need some work. (laughs) (laughs) Artists do that all the time. Thinking about building a cast of characters like that, you know, it was just, I wanted to give all of them a sense of really of being real and being, you know, important characters. So I use the internet. I just 
If I need to know what something looks like, I type and type and type and I'll take it from anywhere. How did you make your beautiful art? I draw digitally mostly, but but I also draw paper on paper and scan. So the first thing is just building the drawings, you know, and my sketch process is people always love my sketch process. And then I have to take these really active sketches and turn them into final art. So um, I've sort of started working a way where I combine, I sort of use my original sketches and build up from there. And I've also recently discovered that I love hand-painted watercolor. I actually want to go back to painting only traditionally, but it's a process. I've had to be digital for so long now, you know. So I paint all my backgrounds. They don't have to even fit the fit the uh, composition because I move things around. I find the place where I like it. I can layer and... So that's how I, I built my paintings up. You know, I think they look like traditionally painted paintings when I'm done. Yes. And texture. I Indeed. love watercolor. It's my favorite medium. So building washes, again, is just exciting to me. So I was excited to put all that into this book. Yeah. Well, it's I think beautifully the done. Of, of Susan's art is just the, the moods of the painting, we go from the dark of night and just yes. to the mood there and the emotion to the lightness of day. I mean, the variety uh, that's captured in those illustrations is just so, just so wonderful. Agreed. That's so true, Carolyn. I really felt the excitement of the book. So I worked hard to make sure I, I almost felt like a Disney artist <laughs> at times. I wanted those night scenes to be very dramatic. I really wanted to give yeah. this. Those were my favorite. And they worked. And, you know, so many um, artists that I've worked with, they're like, oh, no, too many night scenes, too many night scenes. And so <laughs> now I can show them Prudence Wright and say, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so our last question for everyone. First, we're going to start with you, Carolyn. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? Well, I always say the same thing. It's not really about who the book is about, but how can it relate to the, the modern reader? You know, and so, you know, Prudence is an activist. She's passionate about her cause. And hopefully a modern reader who will get spurred on or will or we'll think of, you know, what am I passionate about? What am I in act? You know, what am I really concerned with in life? I can be prudence, right? If I want to. And so that's really what we hope uh, that, you know, a kid today takes away from the book. Very, very cool. Susan, same question. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope that when someone reads this book, they can see that they don't have to be a hero or somebody high up or in a special place in life to do something about something. They can they can make up their minds themselves and see that we all contribute and what we do is important. And it gives them confidence. It gave me confidence in a way. I, I really related to her because I thought confidence just gets you so much. <laughs> just not be afraid. I love that. She's dauntless. She's just dauntless. What about you, Beth? What do you hope people feel or learn as they read this book? Well, I hope they see history as real people making real decisions when they're faced with real challenges, just like we are today. 
A big thank you to Beth, Susan, and Carolyn for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Revolutionary Prudence Wright. Check out the show notes to learn more about Beth and Susan and their other fabulous books. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and happy Happy looking. looking. Picture Book Look is produced by Kirstie Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.